John, I do think patience is going to be required. It was probably always going to be required, even if they got had gotten off to a better start. But I don't think that excuses playing the way they played late on Tuesday night in Phoenix. They cut the lead to two points. They had a real chance to steal a game. And they committed six turnovers in seven possessions. Some of them were incredibly amateurish and silly, just throwing the ball around. I, I, that bothers me. I, I don't mind being patient with this team. But that just was unintelligent play, and I expected more out of this group. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fair, Jim. When you look at uh, that, you want your starters to play with a certain intelligence and discipline in those moments. And they may not be the smoothest running operation right now. Maybe they don't generate the best shots because they're still kind of figuring out where to to work around each other or work with each other. Maybe they're not making all of their shots because they're pressing a little bit and thinking a little bit too much. And that's all that all can be explained by the newness, by the unfamiliarity. But when you look at games like at San Antonio or San Antonio at home last week when there was just a lack of effort, when you look at uh, games like Phoenix, where down the stretch you are just making really, frankly, dumb decisions um with passes that you're making um you know in in the case of d'angelo russell i think there's a little bit of uh laziness with with some of his plays carl anthony towns was trying to to throw passes in inside to rudy gobert that were sailing out of bounds um not the execution that you want from your starting five and i i am i'm one of those people who has preached patience and continues to do that but when you see the kind of mental errors that are being made, I think that is cause for concern. I think that is something that should be better and should be expected to be better at this stage of the season uh, you know, versus any kind of crispness of execution and things that may maybe they that does take 20 games to uh, to kind of sort out. So uh, they have a lot of work to do. And there are a lot of glaring issues that they are facing that should be fixed sooner rather than later if they're going to start to play well and, and kind of get things together. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. This is The John Krasinski Show. This is our Timberwolves and NBA show at TalkNorth.com. We appreciate you listening. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Our sponsors, TSR Injury Law, Manscaped, All Energy Solar, and Head Flyer Brewing. Uh, go to TalkNorth.com. Check out all of our shows, including uh, John's work on the Viking Update show. John and I both covered the Vikings intensely, and they, uh, they, they've they kind of surpassed the, the uh, Timberwolves right now as the number one team in town. And uh, and the best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. <clears throat> it is free. It is easy. Uh, Russell is concerning me. He came, he came off a bad playoff series, said all the right things in the preseason, looked good at times in the preseason, and he's a very good passer. And I thought that might work out just fine here, even though I, I'm not sure I completely trust him. Uh, it's not looking like it's working with him. Is that a, a spot where you preach patience or where you express concern? Well, I mean, I think you express concern, but you also look at it and say, what are the options? Um, yes, mm-hmm. Jordan McLaughlin is playing a lot better than than D'Angelo Russell. I think that it, in general, the offense moves a heck of a lot better with Jordan McLaughlin right now than with D'Angelo Russell. Um, but if you're looking at the long term and the ability to win playoff series and things like that, which is the goal of this team, trying to figure out what you can do with D'Angelo Russell 
um, to to maximize him and get him going is important. If you were to let's just say that you were to make the easy the easy sort of armchair quarterback suggestion and flip them and start Jordan McLaughlin and bring D'Angelo Russell off the bench. Now there's a possibility that the fit with the bench isn't isn't that great right now with what you need out of D'Angelo Russell with what you need out of Jalen Noel and others. But yeah, I think that a lot of the optimism surrounding D'Angelo Russell going into this season was the headspace that he was in. It's He seemed very locked in. He seemed very on board with how things were going, even though he didn't get a contract extension. Instead, of, And instead, it's been really poor. Um, he's shooting 28% from three. Um, he is shooting, let's see here, 39% from the floor. That's a career low for him. Uh, he is turning the ball over at 3.1 times per game, and he's averaging 30 minutes a game. That's just not good enough. And in addition to that, his defense has really not been good at all. And so a small sample size, it's eight games. There's plenty of time to figure things out. But he is one of the players who looks least comfortable out there right now. And you can see it, too, in the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. We thought that that was going to be a real strength for this team is D'Angelo Russell – coming off of a screen, throwing lobs to Rudy Gobert and 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 kind of really putting pressure on the defense that way. But the timing, the chemistry with that pick and roll combination absolutely is not there. And I don't want to pile on D'Lo too much here. Uh, and I do want to give some of the blame to Gobert in that scenario because th- last night there were two possessions in the first half where – D'Angelo Russell made really nice passes to Rudy Gobert and Rudy just dropped them, fumbled them, um, could not catch them and hold on to them. And they were turnovers. One got assessed to Rudy, but I think the other one got assessed to D'Lo unfairly. And so there's just not that synergy that is that that is going on there. Um, And I think that has really been one of the things that has held this team back more than anything else is there was a belief that the pick and roll synergy between D'Angelo Russell and Rudy Gobert should be quick to quicker to form. And it hasn't. And so um, if that, if you don't have that element, uh, then it's harder for D'Angelo Russell to be really effective. And so um, you can just see it. And it's the same as in the playoffs. When McLaughlin comes in, the pace picks up, the ball moves, guys get better shots. When D'Angelo Russell is in, uh, the pace slows down, the the ball gets sticky, as Finch likes to say, and there is just no real quarterbacking of the offense. Really, Carl Anthony Towns is the one who is trying to facilitate the ball movement more than anyone else in that starting group. He's done a pretty good job with that, but really that should be the job of your point guard, and D'Angelo Russell isn't doing that right now. We have seen them try to feed Gobert. I've praised their unselfishness. I think Towns has really been you know, a good team player in trying to get Gobert involved in being willing to shift positions. I, I, I think Towns has been admirable in that regard. But is Gobert good enough? Is he deft enough? Does he have good enough hands to really play the role that they envisioned for him? Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing that I I have been surprised, Jim, about Rudy so far this year. He's been good defensively. He's been a great rebounder for them. You knew that you were going to get that kind of stuff 
uh, from Rudy Gobert when you when you got him. But uh, I don't know if it was it it was if it was that I wasn't watching that closely or if it I I which I what I believe is that he has not been as fluid in his movements and in his catching as he was in Utah. And I don't think he was ever a ballet dancer out there. I don't think he was ever, you know, just super nimble. And I don't think he had Jerry Rice's hands, but uh, to see him sort of struggle and fumble with the ball and look really awkward at the rim, it, it, something does not seem right there. And I don't know if that is maybe his legs are still not quite underneath him after Eurobasket. I don't know if he's just thinking the game too much with these new teammates. And, and so he's not concentrating and focusing enough. And so then you get the, uh, the, the mishandling and, 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 and things like that. I don't know if it's, he's trying so hard to make an impact that he's pressing, but there's something going on there where he is not at all comfortable at the rim with the, you know, catching the ball and then getting it into the basket. And so, um, you know, last night I do think that we saw them start to go away from it a little bit more. I think he had one shot in the game. Now he had a bunch of field, uh, free throw attempts because he was getting those touches, but maybe it's time to just reel back a little bit on force feeding Rudy Gobert the ball. It has all the best intentions. It absolutely is trying to show faith in a player and and say that, hey, we're going to take care of you and we believe in you. But maybe just simplify things a little bit more for him right now. And then as he gets back to his highly efficient, really effective self on, from, on offense, then you start to sort of open up the playbook a little bit more and spoon feed him a little bit more and see if he kind of grows into that role because right now it, it does not look fluid at all. And I do think that that is one of the things that is preventing this starting group from really getting going from an offensive perspective. I consider Charles Barkley to be more of an entertainer than an actual basketball analyst. Uh, but he did say he did say preseason didn't like the trade. He reiterated that again last night. By the way, TNT, uh, Kevin Harlan, Stan Van Gundy, tremendous uh, the 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 studio show. Uh, and again, even when they're absolutely wrong about something in terms of <laughs> basketball, they're entertaining, and the back and forth is incredibly good. Ernie Johnson's fantastic. The personalities are great. It's just so entertaining. Um, but you know, Barkley said again last night he didn't like the trade. He didn't see. He thinks that uh, playing with two centers is an old school idea that isn't going to help them against good modern NBA teams who are going to spread them out and shoot the three. Uh, so what's your assessment of Barkley's assessment? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who believe that way. He's Charles Barkley is not alone in that. Um, and I do think that playing, especially teams like Phoenix, like golden state, like teams that are equipped to go small, spread you out, make good passes and generate and knock down open threes, those are going to be the teams that give the Timberwolves problems. I think so far, what the Timberwolves believe is that they eventually can get to a point where their offense is and their defense both are working much, much better and that they can use their size advantages to punish those opponents that go small. They have not been able to do that yet. I think especially on defense, guys just don't know what to do yet. 
they're not they're not in the right spots. They're helping. They're they're trying to help on with Rudy way more than they need to. Um, and they're cl- late closing out to threes. I think that all can smooth out. I don't think they're ever going to be just incredible defensively. Um, I think that they're going to have some weaknesses that they have to to work around. But I think that they can shore up a lot of what is wrong defensively and and be okay in that area. The thing that they need to do is just be so much better offensively so that they can keep up with the 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 uh, the smaller teams that want to spread them out and want to try to outscore them. And right now they are shooting the three at a remarkably poor rate. They are turning the ball over way too much. They are not generating clean looks. Everything with that starting group is isolation basketball. Um, and, and it just looks so hard. And so right now, Charles Barkley is absolutely right. Right now it is not working. I still believe that I, you know, that this can work over the long haul after they get some more time together. I really do believe that. Um, but it, there are, there, there are a bunch of people in the NBA who are looking at this right now and saying, see, I told you so. And, Um, and, and so it's going to take a lot of work on the Timberwolves part to try and fix a lot of what is ailing them. The one thing that I can say about what we have seen from this team so far is that we have seen them have success on the floor, but with Nas Reed, with Jordan McLaughlin, with Anthony Edwards and smaller groups. So we have seen the system that Chris Finch is running. We've seen it work and work at a high level, but uh, so that shows that it's capable of working, but now they have to incorporate this much bigger lineup and get them playing with the energy and the effort and the intelligence that the second unit is playing with, and then they might be okay. How Can they get there and will they get there? We can't say for sure right now. I believe that they can and they will, but I understand people who are looking at this and saying, my gosh, this is not working. And all of the initial fears about what this meant are being realized right now. And it's on the wolves to address them and to get those things turned around. No doubt about it. So much more I want to get to, including, uh, you know, Ant going ISO, the ball going through towns, uh, the Bucks coming to town, the Lakers, what's going on with the Nets. So much I want to get to. First, I want to thank TSR Injury Law, our first sponsor, our longest running sponsor, 612 TSR Time, 612 TSR Time. I find myself pulling for the Wolves just so Steve Terry can enjoy sitting courtside and having a good time. Uh, so, but, but more importantly, if you're ever injured, First call should be 612-TSR-TIME. You'll deal with a lawyer. They will steer you in the right direction. If they can't help you, if they can help you, they won't charge you unless they win your case, and they win lots of cases. That's why their business has gone from you know a small office to the top two floors in a beautiful uh, Bloomington office space. Uh, they, they've been successful for all the right reasons. They help their clients. Now, uh, if you would, John, tell us about Head Flyer Brewing. That's right. Headflyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis on Hennepin Avenue, just off of 35W. Uh, have a couple of new things to talk about this week. One is their annual barrel-aged beer release party, their Banffed Bash. It's November 12th. They'll be releasing multiple variants 
of the barrel-aged stout Bamft, including a Kingfield collab with 5-Watt Coffee. We'll have live music in the warehouse, the return of MB Foodhouse, and barrel-aged flights available all day. Also want to tell you about Nectaron 3030. It's the newest double dry hopped hazy IPA, and it's coming soon to the tap room and available in 16-ounce cans. Featuring Nelson Salvin and Nectaron hops from New Zealand, this one is super tasty. So stop in to Headflyer Brewing. It's got a great tap room. See Neil and see the, see all the guys there. Have yourself some great beer. Watch a Timberwolves game um, on a game night. Or you can pick up a lot of your favorite Headflyer Brewing beers in your local liquor stores all around the metro area. Headflyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. Headflyerbrewing.com. The Inflation Reduction Act has raised the federal solar investment tax credit from 26 to 30%. That is a surprise. It's also great news for you. The rebate includes solar power with battery backup. There may be additional solar incentives depending on the location of the property. Solar power with battery backup can keep your lights on and heat running when a summer or winter storm hits. Solar and electric vehicle are the perfect pair. Kick fossil fuels to the curb at home and on the road by using solar power to power your EV at home or provide it as a service to your business employees and customers. Now's a great time to secure your spot for next year's installation. You might want to act soon. According to some studies, one in four homeowners want to invest in solar within the next five years, but the grid has limited capacity. Grab your opportunity while you can before someone else does. Uh, So now let's also thank John and John's fabulous Manscaped commercials. It's never too early to play holiday music, and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friends in your pants, you can make this season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the Lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top of the line shower products to have people thinking, All I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack, and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC for free shipping and 20% off. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. It has everything needed to help you deck the halls from face to balls just in time for mistletoe season. The Platinum Package is each product from the best-selling Performance Package Plus Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, and Ultra Premium Deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. The Lawnmower 4.0 body trimmer and the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer feature proprietary, advanced, skin safe technology to protect your delicate presence. Plus, both are waterproof, so there's no issue clearing the snow out of your driveway. There's also a 4000K LED light on it so you can light the way like Rudolph. But smelling good doesn't stop. At the shower, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC. The friends in your pants. It's just poetry. It's poetry. It's absolutely poetry. Uh, So... Last night and frequently during the season when the starting five has been on the court, it seems like two things work. Either the ball going through Towns and Towns making a good decision or Ant jacking up a three or going or driving to into the teeth of the defense and making it work. Uh, I, I don't mean that to sound negative. Anthony Edwards is a spectacular talent. They need him to shoot the three. They need him to drive the ball. But is that going to work long term? Yeah, no, the the answer is no. Um, But I'll say this. I do understand 
sort of ants motivation here because right now the offense is really gummed up. It's really struggling to get anybody in motion to get any clean looks and ant is the one player who can do it on his own and get his own look and get to the basket on his own and, 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 and generate something that way. And so I think right now he's frustrated by the lack of driving lanes, by the lack of movement, by everything that's kind of going on that way. And he's taking it upon himself to score, to keep the thing afloat and, and try and uh, establish some rhythm. It is not, is sometimes being very counterproductive, obviously, because when he's doing all the ISO and all the dribbling, everyone is standing and watching. Uh, so they have to get to a point where all of that dribbling is not individual, but is based on breaking the defense down and making plays for himself and for others. And right now there's not a whole lot of playmaking for others going on. So that is the big thing with Edwards. I think that is contributing to the lack of flow in the offense. And it's kind of one of those things where he's saying, well, none of this else is working, so I'm going to do it on my own and maybe he can do it on his own, but in doing it on his own, he's only kind of further exacerbating the problems that the offense is facing. And so, you know, he's talked several times about how he feels with that second unit with McLaughlin and Noel and Reed and Prince and how that ball is moved and no one cares about who's scoring and, and they play for one another. And, you know, you hear him and you say, okay, and you're saying that, now you got to translate that to your starters and get them playing in the same way. And, and part of that has to be on Anthony Edwards' shoulders. He's still young. He's only in his third season, but he is the most physically talented player in that group. And so he's got to kind of lead the way a little bit. And I don't think that that is happening enough. And he said last night, um, some of his turnovers were from fatigue that he's tired. Well, and you can't be tired right now, man. Like this is, this is the NBA. Like this is, this is high level basketball. This is what the, when the best players are playing, they don't get tired. And it's the same thing when he said, you know, he doesn't play well on back to backs. You can't have that. If you're going to be an all-star in this league, if you're going to take the leap that you know that you want to take and are capable of taking, you gotta, you, you gotta be more consistent with it. And he just hasn't yet. He's had real flashes of, overpowering and and being great even in the fourth quarter last night when he hit three threes and was bringing the team back he was really locked in that was cool that was that was good to see but you need to see more consistency in that approach and we just haven't seen that yet from Anthony Edwards I think it's time to give the Kyle Sloter award to uh, Bryn Forbes. Uh, great preseason and yeah. nothing in the regular season uh, you and I were at a recent practice where he went through an incredibly uh, grueling, long shooting drill, uh, drills, drills upon drills, get him going. And this team is not shooting three well. He would be a big asset. He just hasn't done it yet. Yep, that's right. I mean, they are, I think they're, right now they're 29th in the NBA and they're 27th in the NBA in three-point shooting um, in accuracy. And um, 
you know, now you're looking at, you're down by where the Lakers are and the Lakers are the worst shooting team I've ever seen in my life. And so, um, the, the antidote, the antidote to that was supposed to be someone like Bryn Forbes coming in and playing the Malik Beasley role and just gunning, just shoot, shooting threes and knocking them down. And in the preseason, you looked at it and you said, Hey, this is going to work out great. He's hitting everything in sight. He's getting shots in the flow, uh, quick release. Awesome. Well, that has not translated in in the uh, regular season so much so that he didn't play at all last night. And when they got, I think they were four for seventeen from three to start the game. And so that's um, when you look at that. That is the absolute sort of ideal scenario to put in a Bryn Forbes. Okay, we're not. We cannot say hit a shot to save our lives. Let's put Forbes in, see if he can knock down a couple and loosen up the defense and get get uh, a little bit of confidence going. Well, uh, Finch didn't even go to him last night. I think part of it was defensively, but part of it is he's just not hitting shots right now. And so um, they need Jalen Noel to shoot better from three. They need Carl Anthony Towns to shoot more threes. Uh, he has been a little reluctant to really just let it fly from out there. Um, they need Bryn Forbes to knock down threes. They need D'Angelo Russell, who is shooting terribly from three, to actually you know, get up to the more towards his level of where he's been. Um, and and that is one of the things that, you know, we can talk about flow. We can talk about continuity. We can talk about ball movement and all those things. We also have to talk about this is a team that was one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league last year, both from volume and from accuracy. And they've been one of the worst in both this season. And that is a big change that is also having an effect on their offensive struggles. No doubt about it. Uh, okay. Well, we're going to be talking about wolves issues for a long time this year. When, and even when they're going well, we're going to have issues talking about, it. let's talk about the league a little bit here. Uh, the nets uh, finally get rid of Steve Nash. Uh, Kyrie Irving is, uh, is <laughs> posting, anti-Semitic content. Uh, I mean, the Lakers are a bad basketball team, but the Nets have to be the worst organization in the NBA right now, don't they? Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Um, The way that they are handling everything is just wrong. Um, And and it's been wrong for a while. They put all their eggs in the Kevin Durant basket, which I totally get. Uh, He's one of the best players ever. When he says that he wants to come to your team, you sign him. Like, that's what you do. But... The problem is then that they absolutely gave every single part of themselves to Kevin Durant and allowed him to dictate every decision that has been made, including bringing in Kyrie Irving, including hiring Steve Nash, and then in, and then firing Steve Nash, and now possibly hiring Ime Udoka, um, which it's been reported that he's the front runner, and I think basically that... It was going to be the case that he was going to be hired. We'll see if the Nets back down from the public pressure that they're feeling over that decision and go a different route. But um, but all of that is to say that you know they are botching both from a basketball and a public relations standpoint standpoint everything that you could possibly botch, and they are underperforming on the court. They are becoming an incredibly unlikable organization off the court uh, with very little accountability and um, and very little awareness about what's going on. This is an organization that has really had a hard time 
getting a footprint in the New York area, even though they have this wonderful, shiny building in Brooklyn, they've signed all these high level and high profile players. They are a still a second class citizen and they're acting like it. And and so uh, I think that's actually been a little bit beneficial to the Wolves because they've been kind of struggling and going through their issues. And that's really going unnoticed for the most part. Um, across the league, A, because the Lakers are a mess, but B, even more so because the Nets are an absolute embarrassment. And um, and so they're providing cover to every other team that's just kind of struggling in a normal way right now. And um, it's just every single day they do something that that boggles your mind. And, uh, and it's just been really ugly to watch. Bucks come to town on Friday night. Let's talk about that. Once again, thanks to TSR, Manscaped, All Energy Solar, and Head Flyer Brewing. Please support our sponsors. They uh, make all these shows possible. Check out TalkNorth.com for all of our other shows, including the Cheryl Reeve Show. Uh, thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. Bucks come to town. Um, you know, the Wolves aren't playing well enough for us to, say, to make any comparisons here. But, you know, the way the Bucks have run their organization, are there any grand lessons there? Yeah, I think that there are in terms of the Bucks, as I've said before, are were right where the Timberwolves kind of were and sort of are right now. Um, not that long ago. Uh they are in a they are in a cold weather city. They had an old building. Um, they were stuck in limbo, not really successful. They weren't, they weren't terrible like the Timberwolves have been for a lot of these last 20 years, but they were nowhere near good enough to be even any kind of a threat, even in the the East, which was terrible really for the most part for, until the last couple of years. And then they got Giannis and then they just started, and then they got new ownership and then they just started making good decisions around Giannis. Um, you know, you're getting, uh, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, uh, Mike Budenholzer as a coach, and then kind of having some success, building a new arena, and then really establishing your, themselves as one of the best organizations in the league. They have a good GM and John Horst, um, all of those things. And so they're going to come to town really as the class of the league right now. I think there's, they might still be undefeated as we're recording this. Giannis is playing unbelievably well. Uh, it, they have a real identity and a real sense of purpose. And I do think that, you know, the Wolves are still trying to come out of the morass that they have been in. And I think the hiring of Tim Connolly is a good step in that direction. Chris Finch is a good step in that direction. Anthony Edwards is a good step. And Rudy Gobert are good steps in that direction. And they're trying to build toward that. But it is a process. It takes some time. Um, but it also shows that it can be done. And I, I've, I've heard a lot of defeatist attitude from my Wolves followers uh, the last week or so as they have not played very well and just, well, you're never going to win in Minnesota. They just they can't do it. It's it's impossible. It's not impossible. The Bucks thought it was impossible. And then now they're doing it at an incredibly high level. And I think that the Timberwolves can get there. It's just, unfortunately, no one wants to hear it, but it is going to take time. It is going to take a lot of hard work um, to, to do, but it, but the bucks come in showing that being very, very successful in a mid tier market in the Midwest 
in a city where it's very cold for a long stretch of the season, it's all doable. And a lot of the ingredients that the Bucks had at the start outside of just the complete, you know, comet that Giannis Antetokounmpo is, the, the Timberwolves are putting those things together. And so we'll see how this develops over the next couple of years. But that's uh, that's something to kind of think about while you're gnashing your teeth about yet another turnover, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter that's preventing them from winning games right now. No doubt about it. Last note, uh, the listen, as you said, 82 game season. What's really going to matter is how they develop and how they play over the next four years together. Uh, there are a lot of reasons for patience. I guess the shame for the Timberwolves organization is it felt like a month ago that they could they had a chance of being the number one team in town, the most interesting team in town, the most celebrated team in town. And they've kind of ceded that to the Vikings, and now they're back to making their fans crazy. It's just it's too bad for the organization. They didn't kind of grab the stage while it was empty. Yeah, well, yeah, th- th- it's definitely been a missed opportunity right now. Um, now, with the Vikings playing this way, uh, it, the Wolves could be undefeated right now, and it wouldn't matter True. Near, as True. much. But, but I do think that um, there still there is that opportunity with a very likable star in Edwards, with um, with a smart group uh, of leadership. That yeah, that they could have if they would have started. So they're four and four now. If they'd be six and two going into this game Friday night against Milwaukee. I think the place would be absolutely buzzing. It still still should be fun in there, but um, but they it, it it they have not built any momentum yet. And for a team that still is working through the scar tissue of all of their failures of the past, and 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 fans are a little slow to embrace them because of that. Getting off to a slow start like this does not help the situation at all fans are not willing to be patient because they've been given no reason to be patient in the past. And so I understand that. I understand that skepticism. Um, and that is definitely the mood of the day right now. Again, I will remind people you all thought this or even worse of this team last season at this exact time when they could not do anything right, when they looked like the same old Timberwolves and what ended up happening was absolutely one of the most enjoyable seasons this team has ever had. So while you are are absolutely completely within your rights to gnash your teeth, to be really concerned, to like be very frustrated that the Wolves are playing like this right now, um, there are no absolutes in the NBA in November, October, November. It takes a while before you can make any kind of determinations, either good or bad, until mid-December into January before you can start to really kind of say, okay, this is who this team is. Remember, Boston was 500 at the halfway point last year and then end up going to the finals. I'm not saying that the Wolves are going to do that, but um, just take a deep breath, be demanding of your team, but also understanding that this is a very long season and it by no means... It, it, it is over or uh, should you make any judgments that this this uh, lineup is not going to work they're just you just need a much larger sample size no doubt about it I am looking forward to the Bucks game thank you John thanks to Brandon Morton again thank you for listening to talknorth.com we'll talk to you next week